We're on the air. We're live. Woohoo! Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to Wayside Bible Chapel. For those of you who are visiting, we're glad that you chose to join with us today as we just come and worship the Lord and give Him praise and thanksgiving for His great loving kindness, mercy, and love as He's called us into fellowship in the kingdom of His dear Son. Amen? Okay, that's the sermon for today. Let's go. I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, I have, uh, I am Kip. I'm doing the uh, call to worship this morning. Uh, I will get the uh, announcements out of the way, then we'll have prayer. Um, so in case you, those, my word, for those visiting, if you ever wish to join with us online, we do have a live stream from here. It's uh, just keep the bulletin. It'll help you to uh, log in and to join us each and every Sunday for that. Um, uh, so uh, women's Bible study or the Bible study group, they're in a little uh, hiatus at the moment. They will be resuming on October 12th. Uh, Jesus in the house. Yep, I was waiting for a little more than that, but that'll work. That'll work. Uh, is on Wednesday nights. Um, it's really a great time. I've only... <clears throat> because I work sometimes and it usually takes me well into the evening, I don't get there very often. But I have been there once and it was really a great time. A great time of fellowship and food and uh, a nice time of a discussion and Bible study. Um, it is an opportunity, uh, if you will, for everyone to come and to join. I know that it's m a lot of times it's mostly the younger people that are there, but you know um, we are encouraged for the older people to join with them. <laughs> you know, so if you have the opportunity and you want to come and, and, and enjoy some food and stuff like that, come out on a Wednesday night. Uh, it's it lasts, you know, uh, it starts at five. But um, just come at any time after that. The Bible study actually starts at like 6.30. But if you want to have some food and stuff like that, it's, uh, again, it's, it's a really good time. So come out for that. Uh, there's the uh, Friday uh, movie night every uh, Friday at 6.30. Again, a time for, for fellowship and just watching uh, videos and stuff like that. And the thing is, is, is that it's not that they just watch it and then leave. They have a nice discussion. Uh, about some of the concepts and things that are being uh, uh, approached within that. So again, it's just a, a, a time for 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 uh, it's a time for fellowship and, a, and a, a time for iron sharpening iron, which is really good. Okay, so uh, those are the things that I would have. And then house of prayer every Sunday night at five thirty. We meet together for a little bit of worship. We have a prayer that lasts roughly uh, an hour, and um, it's just a. I don't want to say it's a free-for-all, but you, you are, are encouraged to freely pray with any, for anything that is on your heart or mind or anything you would like us to join with you and to uh, lift before the Lord. Um, so that's what occurs on the House of Prayer on Sunday nights. And I believe that's everything. Oh, men's Bible study on Monday at 6.30. Is that everything? Look good? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. We'll have a, a quick word of admonition to encourage us to come in before, oh, I keep doing that, uh, to come before the Lord and to uh, bless his holy name. So, Father, again, we are so grateful for your loving kindness and grace. We are grateful that you have made, to, made, made known to us the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you have made known to us the true path, the way of righteousness, the way of faith. And we pray that you would be exalted and lifted high this morning. 
We do pray, Lord, that uh, each and every person that is here and joins us by live broadcast, that, Father, they will just uh, feel your presence, they will feel your encouragement, they will just know that you are very near, even before you are formed upon their lips, that, Lord, you are there to answer their prayers. And we just pray that uh, within that time they will find comfort and solace, and that, Father, they would find opportunity to share that comfort with others throughout this week and each and every day. Lord, again, we pray that you be exalted in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. So uh, I'm trying to make this quick. So uh, one of the things that we were trying to do is to uh, highlight some of the people that we support as a church as a, in our missions. Uh, monies that we give, that you all give to this church, that we are able to encourage others to go out and to continuously share the gospel with, in other parts of the country well, other outside of just within this church, or so say, because some of the, the uh, some of the uh, missions that we support are also local, and what have you. But uh, the one person I was going to talk about this morning is going to be Seth Bukema. Uh, he is uh, our newest addition. He uh, uh, it's really hard to say exactly the frequency with which the attendance was, but he uh, they. He and his family used to attend here from time to time, but uh, he and his brother used to attend the Christian school uh, where my wife teaches and what have you. And uh, so once he got out of the Christian school and into high school, he was one of those where you were just kind of wondering whether or not, in all honesty, wondering whether or not the gospel had, had penetrated the heart. Um, you know, rough time through high school. But, uh, you know... It is the, the amazing, steadfast love of God and the fact that we never really know when the light gets turned on. But, you know, after he got out of high school and moving on, the Lord just really got a hold of his heart. And now he is a missionary to Thailand. <laughs> so, yeah. So he's over in Thailand, and we have the, the, the opportunity to help support him. We're not the only fellowship that does that. I mean, they have to raise a pretty... Uh, substantial amount of support to go and, and to work as a missionary, but uh, it just shows the dedication that, that uh, not only are we a part of his support, but there are other fellowships and other churches that are in support of him in this, in this endeavor, so a lot of people out praying for him, but we would like to encourage you to continue to do likewise, to hold up Seth Bukema and, and uh, the mission that, that God has called him to, that he will have an effective ministry for touching the lives and hearts of other people who is out there through his his visible witness and verbal witness, and we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, by way of, of Scripture this morning for call to worship, uh, my wife asked me how long I was going to be. I said probably about as long as it takes me. So, you know, I wasn't trying to be coy, but I just, you never know how this works out. Because, you know, one time I saw Jory come up here, and he was talking and then kept talking and talking, and I was wondering if Paul was ever going to get a chance to do a sermon. But so it was all good. <laughs> anyway, so uh, my scripture verse for you this morning is out of Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll just start at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, 
to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That is a mouthful to say that God, in his love and mercy, looked ahead and said, these are the ones that I can call out. These are the ones that will respond. And just as in Seth's case, we have had that opportunity to respond. We have received of God's grace. We have received of that true illumination. We understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. We understand that he is the path to righteousness in the Father. And if he doesn't move in and clean house, if he doesn't move in and make us wise, then we have no concept or idea of what it even is to be a godly individual. Amen? It has to come from God himself. Who knows where God would hide? Who knows where God would live? Who would know the pathway to even begin to find him if it wasn't for someone who has been there to come to us and now to lead us back to the Father? Amen? And so it is a great blessing that we have, our, that we have had our eyes opened to the gospel of life in Christ Jesus that we have found redemption through his blood and we have found adoption, hallelujah, into the beloved whereby we are now called the sons of God. Amen? And that is a, a blessing, you know, for, for women too. I, I think we, we've heard it said before, but I'll repeat it again. It's okay for women to be the son of God if I can be the bride of Christ. Okay, <laughs> so just 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 that that thought, you know, the, the whole description of that is the fact of the inclusion, the 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 intimacy that God desires with us. Amen. So, you know, you, you understand the relationship that he is trying to put forward in that terminology in today's society is really getting quite obscured and twisted on its head. But for those that know the gospel. For those that know the Lord Jesus Christ, for those whose hearts and minds have been touched by that heavenly gift, we know and understand that there is an intimacy and a future that is without fail. And we know there's an intimacy and a future that is going to be full of joy and that full of glory. Amen? So that's why when we come together this morning, we can worship, we can praise, and we can sing glory to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel joy. I get joy when I think about what my Jesus has done for me. Hallelujah. Stand up. Let's praise him this morning. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Joy unspeakable and full. 
Thank you, Lord. Hey, Tom, this song's for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> we were singing through this song this morning, and it brought back um, a song that I'm teaching the children at the Christian school for the Christmas program, and it's, what can I give? What can I bring that would be special to Jesus just from me? And it's our praise. <laughs> Lord, may, may we never be silent. And may our praise just continue to grow. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
Jesus for all of your promises. Hallelujah.
salvation. Thank you that this morning you have already shed us afresh and new of your mercy. 
and your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you flood us with your peace. Thank you that you give us that joy that is full of your glory. Thank you, Lord, that you have showered us with your amazing love. That you would choose a wretch like me to suffer and die. Lord, I stand amazed. Thank you, Lord. And Father, as we prepare to give back to you out of the abundance you have given us, bless it, Lord Jesus. Multiply it. Use it that more people will know you in all of your glory. We'll be able to live in your presence and in your joy and in your love and in your peace. Thank you, Jesus, for all you have done for us. And all God's children said, amen, amen. You may be seated.
Amen. The name above every name. Amen. There is no more beautiful name than the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Children can be dismissed for children's church. I think maybe the teacher already grabbed them. Okay. Um, I just want to say th thanks for the bringing back He is Our Peace. I haven't heard that in so long. And you know, in Scripture, Jesus said, My peace I give you. Think about that for a second. How much peace does Jesus have knowing that he knows all things and has all power? How much peace must that be? huh? And he says, I give that peace to you. Boy, in this world today, that is something to cling to. Amen? Because we can get so worked up about all the situations in our world, all the things that are happening in government and and just in our own little city, in our own little world. But Jesus said, I give you my peace. Wow. That's awesome. So thank you for bringing back that song. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Lord, remind us of that continually. That when we get agitated, anxious, stirred up, remind us, Lord, that you have given us your very own peace. The Prince of Peace gives us his peace. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your word. And today, this passage means so much to me because it affected my life so much. And I pray that it has the same power in the lives of each one that hears this message. So we just invite the Holy Spirit to have his way in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you're a guest with us this morning, thank you for joining us. We just go through the word of God and you've joined us when we're in Galatians and we happen to be in Galatians chapter five and I'm gonna be reading verses 19 to 26. It's a very familiar passage, one of the most famous passages in the letters of Paul because it describes to us the fruits of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. Notice, fruits of the Spirit and works of the flesh, very different. In honor of God's word, would you stand with me as I read this passage to you? Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. This is God's word. You can be seated.
Boy, I just, that was a great time of worship, wasn't it? Just to sing about our King and know that he gave everything for us, how loved we are. Wow. So the Apostle Paul has made his case to the churches in Galatia um, at this point in the letter. He's made his case that circumcision is not going to add anything to their salvation, that, that what the uh, Judaizers have been telling them uh, about adding works to be fully in the family, in the kingdom, is, is really meaningless because you can't, do, you can't add anything to what Jesus has already done for us. Amen? How can you add to the work of the cross? Paul then explained that what really counts is faith working through love. For loving your neighbor as yourself is the way to fulfill the spirit behind the laws of God. In Christ, we're free to unselfishly love others and to serve them with God's love. And it's the spirit who empowers us to live in victory over our old carnal nature. And last Sunday, we saw in the two preceding verses that the flesh and the spirit are just always at war within us. There's always this struggle, always this battle going on as long as we're in these earthly bodies. We learned that all we must do is yield to the Holy Spirit to experience the victory in that war. He's the one who brings the victory. We just march under his banner. We learned that all we have to do is yield. Paul followed that instruction with a, a general description here in our passage today about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And this helps us uh, as we go through our Christian life to identify where am I at today? Am I more like this list or that list? Am I doing the things in this one or that one? It helps us when uh, sometimes our heart would deceive us as to whether something's... Um, of God or not, or whether we're in the spirit or not. So this, this is, uh, it's not a new set of laws. It's something that helps us identify where we're at. When I was 16 year old, years old, um, living up close to where I live now in Oak Creek Canyon, a group of boys met at my home. You know, I just got a car, 1953 Studebaker. I thought it was really cool. I had a vehicle and uh, put, purple paisley interior in it and rebuilt the engine I thought we were really cool but we met at once about once one night a week and we would read the Bible that we didn't have a mentor or a teacher or anything we just we'd just gather around we'd pick a book and we'd read a passage and we'd talk about it and we really didn't know much of what we were doing we just thought we need to read the Bible it's probably really good for us so so we'd read it and we'd talk about what we thought it meant. And then um, we came to our passage for today. And it's hard for me to talk about it because I remember it so vividly. That was over 50 years ago. And yet it's just as clear as, it, as today. Because as we read this passage, we realized that we identified more with the works of the flesh than the works of the spirit. And we just had this overwhelming conviction came over. There was about six teenage boys. And we said, what are we going to do? I mean, it says we, we won't inherit the kingdom of God. I think that means we're not going to heaven. So I said, Let, 
let's pray. So we all just put our heads down and prayed. And when we did, Jesus walked in the room. I didn't know we didn't see him. He, he wasn't manifest in a physical form, but every one of us felt completely Jesus was standing in our midst. We were macho boys, you know, we were all bawling. We were just crying our eyes out. His presence became so real to us. We felt his conviction and we felt his love and his grace. I know, I know I'm still friends with one of those men and another one still lives in the Verde Valley. They, we remember, they all, all of us remember that very clearly that night that that happened. So we knew that the Holy Spirit was telling us, this is what you can be like if you let me have all of you. I, I was born again, I already had the Spirit but the Spirit didn't have all of me. And so that was a turning point in my life. So as we go over this portion of scripture, we should all be asking ourselves, have I surrendered myself fully to the Holy Spirit? Does he have all of me? Or is there some area of my life that I'm holding back and saying, you know what, I, I, I want to serve Jesus, I love him, I'm so thankful he died for me, but uh, don't bother this little corner of my life. The flesh is our fallen human nature, as we've, we've talked about in previous passages in Galatians. It's, it's everything in us that desires independence from God. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. And Paul begins this famous passage describing the results of yielding to the fleshly nature. If we live by the Spirit, then we won't be exhibiting these works of the flesh. Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that should put the fear of God in us. Our actions exhibit where our hearts are. Wherever our hearts are, that's, the, well, Jesus said, that's where, our treasure, where our, our treasure is, that's where our hearts will be, and where our hearts are is the way we, we will act. And sexual immorality is the first one that's mentioned. And, and uh, when Greek writers write out a list, the first one is always the emphasis. And I found out recently that the last is kind of a secondary emphasis. I didn't know that till this week. But the first one here, sexual immorality, sexual sin is almost always at the top of sins listed. And I believe that that's because marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. It's such a sacred thing. God gave sexuality as a gift to married couples to draw them together, to procreate, for mutual pleasure. It's a wonderful gift that foreshadows that mutual pleasure we have with our, in our union with Christ. But then to turn it into a selfish act that ignores God's intent outside of marriage and, and seeks only to use a person for a temporal thrill represents idolatry. And that's why all throughout the Old Testament as Israel was unfaithful to God, he called 
their idolatry, adultery, because he had a relationship with them, this kind of marriage relationship. And so when they turn to another thing and worship it, the picture then is adultery. God made it an important physiological drive as it represents an equally important spiritual hunger. And when it is misused, it can, can easily become a destructive addiction. The next one listed is impurity, which is physical or moral uncleanness. The enemy of our souls will gladly give us a high when we do something we shouldn't do. I remember I had a friend in high school. We would go to the Circle K. We'd walk, it was flag high. We'd walk to the Circle K. If you know where that is, it's just a few blocks up from the high school. And we would always go there for lunch. And he would always, every time, steal a candy bar. And I asked him, why do you do that? Aren't you afraid you're getting caught, you get caught? He said, no, it's so thrilling. And that's when I first started to realize rebellion against God gives us, the enemy gives us a thrill. There's a physiological thing that goes on in our mind that's, that's like, it's thrilling to, to step out in that kind of scary rebellion against God. You know, um, Che Guevara, the guy that uh, so many people think is so wonderful in his his biography, he told about the thrill of executing people, the high he got from shooting people in the head. It's, it's, this is impurity, it's sickness, it's rebellion against God. The next one is sensuality. It's much like impurity. The Greek word is the negative of staying within bounds. In other words, going out of bound, out of God's bounds. And certain acts can include all three of these words, but this word seems to imply a continued disposition towards that which is morally degrading. It can include one's manner of speech. You know, in Ephesians 5.4, it specifically says that we are not to participate in lewd joking. That's a regular part of our culture. I, it's hard to watch a television show that doesn't include some kind of lewd joking, but the word of God tells us that this is not to be a part of our lives. As our mind goes, so eventually the body will follow. And our minds should be holy, capturing our thoughts that are, that are not of God and submitting them to Christ. Verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. You know, he lists a lot more works of the flesh than works of the spirit or fruits of the Spirit, excuse me. I think because there's, evil has so many forms that it takes. Idolatry is anything that comes between us and God. As I mentioned before, it takes the place, it takes first place in our hearts. Paul calls greed idolatry because greed says I gotta have more of that. That's what I need, that's what's gonna satisfy. And so we, we spend our time and our energy trying to, to get that. It can be a desire, such as for fame or wealth. It can be a person or a form. Pornography fits that, these previous expressions, but it can be because a, a certain body shape has taken the place of ultimate pleasure in our mind or heart. It doesn't have to deliver that which we're seeking. It's just merely the idea that it can. The Hebrews thought 
that the idols of nations around them could make them wealthy or powerful. It wasn't the little image so much as it was faith that the image could produce the desire in their heart. Sorcery is the next one. Sorcery is the Greek word pharmakia. What does that sound like? Drugs. Or the use of dark powers, whether through mediums or witches or incantation. It's seeking something through other means than God and usually in blatant disregard to God's will. It can refer to chemicals, whether natural or manufactured, that alter our normal state for escape, for pleasure, or for a false sense of spirituality. Like all these deeds of the flesh, it avoids going to God and his word. Enmity is hatred as the result of unforgiveness. As I mentioned before, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Jesus wanted us that, warned us that if we do not forgive others, that we will not be forgiven. Strife is continued animosity toward another, whether verbal or physical. Someone was recently telling them that their work environment was continually filled with strife. May we never contribute to the strife in the world, whether it's politics or work or at home. Let us be the peacemakers because we have his peace. Amen. Jealousy is the breaking of the 10th commandment. It's desiring that which God has given someone else, envying it. It can include a desire for malice. You know, the, the thought that that should be mine, not his. Why does he have that? That should belong to me. God is a jealous God, but it's completely different kind of jealousy than the world's selfish desire to possess something. He wants us for himself because it's best for us. It's pure love that wants to see us forsake the world and belong to him alone. The next one's fits of anger. Mm, a lot of us men struggle with this one. When, when things go wrong over and over again and all of a sudden the rage comes out. Rage demonstrates you not only don't trust God but are angry with him for allowing the circumstances to be as they are. Rivalries and factions. It's, it's, a form of, it's a form of one group against another causing conflict and strife. The word is often translated strife. And this and the following two are often the results of a prideful person in an organization or, or, or any kind of gathering of people whose ego wants to be in control. When it's in a church, they'll resist the elders at every turn and try to gain a following, often by private murmuring with others in the congregation, sowing the dissatisfaction they have in their heart. Now, real error that's seen in the elders should be discussed openly in the light of scriptures. If elders go astray, they should be openly confronted by two or more witnesses, the scripture tells us. Too often, the division is over personal desires and opinions, such as the kinds of music, um, the facility, teacher preference, some physical matter. Paul rebuked these kind of rivals in it, rivalries in his first letter to the Corinthians. Dissensions, 
or divisions or sedition. It's similar to the previous word, but it has a more insidious tone of destroying unity. Dissensions. That's a, an ugly thing in a church. The next one is divisions. Our, world, our word heresy comes from the Greek word that this is taken from, this word divisions, because heresies were what divided the churches. It can also be translated as sect, sectarian. It's a choice to go in a different direction from Christian orthodoxy. You know, Christianity has 2,000 years of history. People have been studying the word of God for 2,000 years, and all of a sudden somebody says, I see something no one's ever seen before. And they come, they take one verse and go off on this tangent that's, that goes against uh, many other scriptures. And it, and it causes these kind of heresies and divisions. For the Gentile Galatians to start trying to keep Jewish laws was an action um, that exhibited these last three words, these three works of the flesh. They're the most common works of the flesh in the church throughout history today. 21, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Envy is ill will or jealousy, whether over a gifting, a title, or a possession. Drunkenness, overindulging in alcohol or any drug that alters one's natural state as a substitute for the spirit. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 tells us not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. So we see the one is a substitute for the other. Orgies, which is abandoning, abandoning sexual moral boundaries in a free-for-all. It was part of some of the pagan worship ceremonies for fertility. And the Galatians may have been tempted to participate in the local temple activities that they had experienced before their conversion. If any of these behaviors is con a continued way of life, something that is synonymous with that person, it identifies who that person is, not a, not a simple one time falling into sin or once or twice stumbling, you can know that a person is in the flesh con continually, that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if the person is a believer and he's practicing some of these things, the Spirit of God, we talked about this morning in, in Bible study, the Spirit of God's going to bring such conviction that they'll be uncomfortable doing those things. And more and more they'll be resisting the Spirit. Person, my personal experience when I was younger, my joy left because I was, I was constantly caving into the flesh. And the joy of the Holy Spirit left. And I knew that was my sign, something's terribly wrong. I have justified in my mind something that's, that's taken away that sense of the Holy Spirit's joy. It's a wake-up call from God. Now, you might envy someone, but the Spirit will make you so uncomfortable by that attitude of your heart until you finally repent. Sin is addictive. And it always suggests a little more will satisfy. And it does for a moment. And then you need more and more until it finally consumes you.
We talked this morning earlier about how you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve the flesh and the spirit. You can't walk in, in between those two worlds. We cannot say that because we do not practice these things that we're living in the spirit. You know, like the rich young ruler, all those have I kept from my youth up. You know, and then God, Jesus put his finger on the one thing, commandment number 10. Go sell all that you have and come follow me. He was covetous of money. Money was his God. He really broke the first one, but he was justifying it in his mind, you see. Nor should we look at these lists as a list of do's and don'ts to be spiritual. Fruit is different from work. Sin is hard work because we're trying to satisfy our emptiness with things that can't and never will satisfy. But branches don't work to bear fruit. The life in them produces it. That sap that flows through is what brings the fruit. His life in us helps us live out the spirit of the law, here called the fruits of the spirit. Remember that Jesus said the whole law is fulfilled in loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. 22. Whew, that's the works of the flesh. Now we get to see here the works of the spirit. Hallelujah. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Again, the first one, the priority, love, agape. It's that love that sees the value in the object of that love and gives without expecting anything in return. It's used to define God. It's the love of, that God has for us. It's the love Jesus commands us to have for God and for our neighbor. His banner over me is love. In the Old Testament, the word has said parallels this word, and it's often translated uh, steadfast love or loving kindness. God's love is said to extend to the heavens, and it's so precious to all who know him, amen? We, when we, we were just singing about it, and amazing love, and it just grabs, grabs your heart because if you're in Christ, you know how amazing that love is. The next fruit of the Spirit is joy, the second one, and it's so important to our spiritual life. I, I'm going to tell you the reference. There are 50 cross-references. If you download the sermon I encourage you to put your cursor over those references and, and read those references. There are 50 in this sermon. I'm going to name the ones after each description of joy here because each one's out of the scripture. And if you struggle with joy, I encourage you to write down these references. Maybe you struggle with depression or maybe life's just been hard and it's been hard to sense the joy of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to write down these references and, and meditate on them. Joy is this deep inner gladness. There was great joy at Jesus' birth, Luke 2.10. It's associated with the resurrection in Luke 24.52. It's, it's set to have joy at the second coming, 1 Peter 4.13. Testimonies bring joy, Acts 15.3. When disciples are found to be walking in the truth, there is joy, 2 John 1.4. And in us... 
when we will be presented blameless for the, before the presence of his glory. Talk about joy, Jude 24. And ironically, we have joy when we're persecuted for Jesus' sake, Luke 6, 23. And when we face trials, James 1, 2. We have joy when God works through us, Luke 10, 17. And when someone repents, Luke 15, 7. And when we obey Jesus, John 15, 11. When God answers prayer, John 16, 24. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. Those we disciple are our joy, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. So if you're lacking in the joy of the Lord, I encourage you to meditate on those many references. And remember, joy isn't a work, it's a fruit. Uh, I, just to share a little story that just came to mind. Um, somebody was very upset with me because I was considering on one corner of my property to let them put a cell tower. And the neighbors were all sure that everyone was gonna die if they put the cell tower there. And so they all gathered together and they were all gonna sue me and I didn't even know if it was going to happen or not. You know, a company just approached me about it. So um, I was walking out of Whole Foods, and uh, this lady that doesn't really, she lives from house to house in the neighborhood, and she just started screaming at me at the entrance. I was like, whoa, you're so greedy. I'm going to go tell your church how greedy you are. You're just so, all this stuff. I said, I hope you do come to church. She says, why are you smiling? I said, because I have the joy of the Lord. I can't help it. <laughs> and she didn't know what to say. She was like, what? That just kind of stopped her in her tracks. And I turned around and left. I said, God bless you. <laughs> the one we just sang about peace is the next one. It means harmony with God and man resulting in rest and contentment. The Hebrew equivalent, of course, is shalom. And it also means that there's sufficiency in all things. In Christ, we have just that. Not that we have all material wants or even what we may think are our needs, but in him we realize we have all things. Man, this, that should bring us peace, his peace. Patience can be defined as long-suffering, forbearance, or fortitude. What a beautiful fruit patience is. And how we need patience with others and with our own spiritual growth at times. Do you ever get frustrated at your own spiritual growth and say, God, why aren't I growing faster? Why do I still struggle with this or that? Sometimes we need patience to let the Holy Spirit do his work over time. To patiently wait for God's answer to prayer knowing that he hears us and knows the best timing to answer that prayer. Patience declares our trust in God. Kindness, it's, is, uh, in Greek, is also translated usefulness or moral excellence in character or demeanor, which is much broader in meaning than our English word kindness. It's to see a need and help because help is needed without considering it, whether it's beneath us or whether we're gonna benefit in some way from it. Goodness is virtuous or beneficence. 
in the same way that the works of the flesh overlap, the fruits of the spirit overlap. It's kind of like when you talk about one, it is kind of the other one. Sometimes these words can be interchanged. Goodness is doing good because you have an opportunity to do so. It's selfless and it's generous. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is consistency in Christian living and truth. Fidelity, in other words. One of God's great attributes is his faithfulness to his character and to us. The fruits of the Spirit are naturally like the very character descriptions of God because, after all, it's his Spirit that we're talking about. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Gentleness, I think, is a very underemphasized attribute. Um, you know, you see this a lot when uh, people are going at each other. It's almost like there can be no dead airspace, no quiet. You've got to get your words in, right? Th that's the opposite of this spirit of gentleness. We're told our gentleness should be evident to all in Colossians 3, 12. And in 1 Timothy 6, 11, we're told to pursue gentleness. Gentleness counters the harshness that we face in the world, and it can de-escalate strife. And finally, self-control. It's being able to hold back. It's temperance. And you know, I, I apply this most of all to my mouth <laughs> and to my use of time, self-control. Acts 24, 25, applied self-control to lustful desires. The law does not forbid any of these fruits of the Spirit. So if our life in the Spirit results in these qualities, we will be in accord with God's law, in fact, surpassing God's law. Paul may be referring back to chapter 5, verse 14, that tells us that love fulfills the law. This fruit that the Spirit works through our lives when we cooperate with him, surpasses the requirements of the law. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. This is central to Christian living. Jesus took our sins and changed our hearts, but the sinful nature does not give up easily. Those who belong to Christ have nailed that old nature to the cross. And that's what we declare when we go under the water of baptism, that the old has died. However, James asked believers why there are quarrels and fights among us. And he answers, from your desires that battle within you. This very passage, tell, verse 16 and 17, tells us that we must live or walk in the spirit to keep the desires of the flesh from hindering the new life in us. In Greek, it's in the aorist active tense, meaning we took action, but we must continually take action. We crucified our flesh when we came to Christ, but we must continually crucify our flesh, screwing the lid down on that coffin of the old carnal nature. I like to think of it as a power drill, you know. Oh, there he is again. <laughs> Screw it back, thing back down. So, so that zombie can't escape from his box. 
Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What a great verse. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Since the Spirit is our new life, we must keep in step with him, or as Jesus said, abide in me. We're in a war. Don't let yourself get out of sync with the, the step of the Spirit by giving the flesh your attention or as we talked about before, giving it space, giving it that beachhead, giving it a little area to hang on to, an unsurrendered area of your life. Refuse the old nature's suggestions. And when you catch yourself giving in, do the opposite. If you start to feel that temptation's taking hold and you're about to surrender, do the opposite. You know, it's just uh, shaking your fist in the devil's face and say, Jesus is stronger than you. Amen. When tempted to murmur, let Jesus prompt a song in your heart. When tempted to be lazy, ask him to direct you to a passage in the word or, or a, a person that you can serve. When enmity or jealousy arises, let his love help you forgive and the leading of the spirit to pray for that person. You know, you, you will find it almost impossible to hold on to unforgiveness or hatred towards a person if you continue to pray for them. Because the Holy Spirit will to reveal to you their needs and he'll show you how much he loves them and how much he wants to see them transformed. In every temptation, pray and ask God to help you keep in step with the Spirit. Let the life of Jesus in you respond. I heard the testimony of a heroin addict, a true story of a heroin addict in New York who was saved. And each time the dealer would knock on his door, though he was determined to stop, he kept opening the door and buying the next fix. Finally, he found the answer. He said, when the knock came, I started asking Jesus to get it. That's how we find victory. We let Jesus do the work in and through us. We live by the Spirit and we follow his lead, keeping in step with him. This, this is the instruction the Galatians needed to avoid the false teaching and the temptations that they faced. It was, it was conforming to the Spirit rather than conforming to the law. It was the fruit instead of works. It was life instead of death. 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Paul ends this with this thought, uh, with an example of what allows the flesh to rise up and be conceited and to provoke or to envy. We should be thankful that others in the body have the gifts that they have and not be envious of them. Don't argue minor issues with others or challenge them in your pride. Much of our fleshly response is in relation to being with others. It's natural when people come together that there's going to be differences and conflict. The friction in the body helps us to see where we need to be shaped better to work together, to better work together or humble ourselves and to let others lead. The correct attitude to other people is not, I'm better than you and I'll prove it, nor is it, you're better than I and I resent it, but 
you are a person of importance in your own right because God made you in his image and Christ died for you. And it is my joy and privilege to serve you. Isn't that a great attitude? That's the spirit expressing love for the bride of Christ through us. How do we experience this life within us? How can we strengthen our spiritual legs to keep in step with the spirit? How can our hearts burn within us so that it is our constant desire and experience? It's as verse five of this chapter told us, through the spirit, by faith. It is through the spirit, by faith. We expect to meet Jesus when we open his word to hear his voice. And the more you read and meditate and memorize God's word, the more you'll be communing with Jesus. We meet him when we worship together, when we share testimonies, and when we pray or partake of communion. The more we focus our thoughts and desires on him and his promises, the more we find ourselves in step with the Spirit. The more we're in step with the Spirit, we more, the more we find those fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Overflowing from our lives, which encourages others to experience the same. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? I'm going to close with a, a song, Jill, and then uh, I'll give the benediction.
thank you, Lord. Your faithfulness, your steadfast love never ceases. Lord, help ours to never cease because of the life of your spirit within us. And Lord, as we consider these things, help us, Lord, to, to open our hearts before you and let you do that examining work and see the areas that we haven't surrendered. May we increasingly become more like you. Thank you for being faithful to us. Help us, Lord, be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And I want to close with a combination of verses from Galatians as the benediction. Uh, to him who saved us from the present evil age, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. God bless you.